actually, right, right out here, um, not right out here, a few miles uh, further down to the west. Um, we were thankful to find a house uh, near to the church and um, about a year ago, and uh, so we were very grateful for that. But we didn't realize until our first night in that house how noisy it was going to be to have our, our front yard essentially connected to this, this fairly busy road. Um, it took a few months for us to get used to that constant whoosh of the cars going by and then being woken up uh, by the occasional uh, janky muffler or something else. <laughs> something loud. I don't know what, but it's loud and it's out there. Um, but now, we've been there for a year, we don't really hear the cars anymore. It's just kind of part of being there. Um, and so, in fact, I would say that now, since we have been there for a year, Having no noise is actually the strange part. When, when the streets are quiet, that's actually the part that suddenly feels odd. And if you can believe it, I mean, I, I didn't even notice this until this last Thanksgiving. I was sitting in my living room, and I just noticed that like a half hour had gone by, and I couldn't remember if I'd heard any cars, and this deep silence had settled over the house. And it was strange. It was almost like alien. Um, yeah, like I was kind of dropped into this new, new reality. And, and in a similar way, for many of us, our lives can kind of be marked by a constant hum of, of stress or the, or the whooshing by, if you will, of, of a struggle, of maybe managing, um, managing another grief. And while the, we may have moments where peace settles in, when it does, it, it actually just feels kind of alien and strange, and we, all, we cringe a little bit knowing that, uh, that it's, it's only going to last for a short amount of time, and the struggle will return. And the prophecy we're going to look at this morning from Isaiah chapter 11, it's written to a people who have lost their peace. It's written to a people who are so used to the hum of cultural and political suffering and pain and confusion that they don't really have a concept what, what peace might even be, like a silence settling in an alien way. And we'll read this passage in just a minute, but the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, he doesn't actually even use the word peace, which you may know in, in Hebrew is shalom. He doesn't even use that that word, and yet you will see as we read this, this passage is a picture of shalom, of peace, of the Hebrew idea of peace where it is not just the absence of suffering or chaos, but flourishing and wholeness. That's the picture he gives. And so as we read this passage, we will see this prophecy written to people who have lost their peace, but it's about a king who will bring the peace. And so let me read this for us this morning. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. 
and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. The first thing we see when we get into this passage is we are introduced to the source of peace. You see the picture of peace that is coming with the harmony that's on earth, but first we're introduced to the source of peace. That's the first point this morning. The source of peace is this king, and it might strike you as odd that the passage begins with this phrase, there will come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. It is one of the stranger poetic, uh, to our ears, stranger uh, poetic analogies. But it actually makes more sense if you reach back just two verses to the form, for, uh, chapter before, Isaiah 10, and you see a judgment of God that he is bringing down on a people, the nation of Assyria, who wants to capture his people. Here's what God says in judgment to the nation of Assyria, this behemoth proud nation that is, that is not interested in paying any attention to God, but just taking over his people. He says, behold, the Lord of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down. The lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one boughs, forest, you see what he's talking about, a landscape that has been leveled, and from a stump, from a forgotten stump, comes forth this shoot, the source of peace, the king who is from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is, of course, the father of David, the greatest king that Israel ever had, and so it's speaking to that kingly lineage that Jesus will come from, that this king will come from. So the first item we're considering this morning, the first point is this source of peace, this king. And, and who is this king? Well, we just read it, but this passage gives us two descriptions of who this king is, who this source of peace is. It talks about his wisdom, and it talks about his justice. This is a king that is wise and is just. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. You see the emphasis on spirit here. This is not a book-learned knowledge. This is an innate wisdom inside this king that comes from a connection to the spirit of God, where true wisdom flows. 
he is able to judge rightly. Wisdom, wisdom in, in the scriptures, and I think as we even think about it today, we know kind of the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge being, I know some facts, I know some information. Wisdom being, I know how to navigate in this world. Jesus says wisdom is proven by her deeds. In other words, the actions show the fruit of whether you were wise or not, whether your decision was the right one or not. Wisdom is, is knowing how to react in an unstable world, and, and it brings peace. To be wise is to have a peace about you as you do make the right decisions. And we, we, we live in what's often called the age of information. Um, but then we take the idea that we're in an age of information, we have a wealth of knowledge, and then that makes us think that we're maybe living in an age of wisdom. But <laughs> the wealth of knowledge and information that we have accumulated through former generations does not always lead us to wisdom. We are not always making the right decisions. We are not always responding to what we know happened historically and, 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 and fixing things today and moving forward in a way that is wise. So we often think that we, if we just increase in knowledge and wisdom, then we would learn to acquire peace, right? Very much, very much learning and study is brought about of, of human flourishing and peace. We fool ourselves to think if we had more knowledge, we would bring about peace. But as many have remarked, and I trust that you probably feel this in your own life, with more information, sometimes we just become more disquieted. And an information overload does not help us regain our peace, which remains lost. And so we, we are looking to the wrong source. The source of the peace that we're looking for is going to come from this king on whom the spirit of the Lord rests. And this idea of peace, of wholeness, of flourishing, it's not going to come by our own devices, by our own study, by our own acquisition. Though God in his grace may give some peace, it will ultimately only come from him. But this king is not only wise, he is also just. I want to read this verse one more time, verse 4. Um, then to verse 3, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. And then verse 5, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. We, we all know too well the need of a righteous and faithful judge, a king, a one who will see through the fronts, the exterior, and into the heart of man. I apologize, there's been some sickness in our home, so you're probably hearing that and... Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So prevalent is it in, in our culture that, that if we can achieve a certain level of justice, then we will finally have peace. Just as we chase after wisdom and knowledge to bring about our peace, so we think that if, if we could only achieve the correct uh, level of equity and justice in our culture, then we would know peace. And that instinct is not wrong. From a biblical perspective, peace always comes with justice. Good justice, the wicked punished, and others protected and preserved. And yet, just as we're, we're, we're tempted to trust our, our sources of knowledge, so we're uh, tempted to trust our, our earthly justice, earthly sources of justice. And yet, as we know, 
The justice of man is often flawed or biased or perhaps even crooked in the worst of times. While many cases are often judged rightly, many others break down and the hurt are not vindicated. vindicated. The victims are not, they do not experience justice. And sometimes we're shocked to hear of crimes of years gone by as if I can't believe what people used to get away with in the past. And we're still surprised today when things, when the justice system seems to, um, it shows, it does show its flaws. And even to add to that, we know that we are not always moved to action unless we are confronted with maybe a picture or a video or some sort of testimonial that will stir us up. That should indict us for our lack of empathy, that we often need to see something happen in real time to even want to have justice unfold. But here is a king who is not like that. He does not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. He doesn't need an, an iPhone recording of an event in order to distinguish actions or motives or intent, but rather he judges rightly every time. And he is the true source of peace. So this wise king stands in contrast to us in his deep wisdom. He also stands in contrast to us with his justice. So as I ask you to consider this morning when, when, when justice is served even on earth and we, and we think about that so close as we should correlated to peace. There is a limit to how many things we in our nature even get right. But even when justice is done, there is a limit to what can be sentenced, to what man can assign to make amends. I remember hearing about a trial a few years ago. This was a trial of national significance. It was a very big deal. And the defendant was given 60 years, sentenced to 60 years in prison for his abuses. And then, a short time later, he was sentenced another 40 to 175 years. And then the following year, he was sentenced to an additional 40 to 125 years. Meaning that his, his maximum, his minimum time would be 140 years, but his maximum would be well over 300 years. And this was a high-profile case, and you would make an argument that the judge did right to assign this to this person, but he will not be able to carry out the full measure of his sentence. The, at some point, the numbers just become silly. He, he, he will not live to see any of those centuries pass in prison. And so we see the limits, even when justice is done, the limits of man to truly make restitution for wrong that has been done. But this is not how this king is. He will decide with equity for the meek of the earth and the, the wicked he will kill with his breath. It, it says he will judge the wicked. And another example of this was just, I think, in the, in the past couple days, the the murder trial regarding Ahmad Arbery in Georgia resolved with the men involved in that murder being, um, being 
they committed murder. That's what the sentence that the judge handed down. But I did read a statement from the prosecution that said justice was not served because Ahmad's not here for Thanksgiving. And that, is tr- that shows the limits of our human ability to fix wrongs that have been done. We cannot bring about peace on our own way. We need a, a king who will bring true justice and peace. Both of our seeking of of wisdom and justice fall dramatically short. But there is a king who will bring that, and that is what Isaiah is talking about. So this is our source of peace, one we should put our hope in. But Isaiah next talks about the state of peace that will come from this king. The state of peace. It's verses 6 through 9. Describes animals that you would not put together as having harmony. And this strikes you immediately as something of a fairy tale. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The, the lion will eat straw like an ox, changing his diet in this peace. It's hard to imagine. But what we are seeing is, is nature inverted from the total rule of this good king. And one of the first things we learn as children when we're learning about animals in school is after we learn their names and, and where they live, we learn the food chain. We learn, we learn who eats who. And we think in our minds, all right, if these two meet in a forest, who, who's walking away? Uh, and who's walking, or who's walking away full, you know? So, <laughs> this, is, this is how we understand nature as a predator-prey relationship, but this is speaking to the state of peace that is so deep that this king has, has brought. I'm reminded of what Paul writes in Philippians, the peace of God which surpasses understanding. It's unfathomable to us that this would happen. But this is the state of peace that Isaiah is calling us to look forward to and onward to a peace where your own children, your toddler could be playing near a poisonous snake and you would not, you would not even think a thing of it. So this is the great peace. They shall not, verse 9, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. The phrase, as the waters cover the sea, is a kind of an interesting one. You might expect something like, there'll be as much peace as there is water all around the earth. But of course, that would not be complete. Rather, we find the, the phrase, as waters cover the sea. In other words, where the sea is, so there is water. Where this earth is, so there is the peace of this king. And the knowledge of him is covering the earth. So what can we say to this picture of peace, this state of peace brought about by this king? I think Isaiah offers it to stir our sanctified imaginations because for most of us right now, we can't imagine this sort of peace. But we need to hope in this and hope in the harmony that would exist amongst men with such harmony existing with uh, these creatures. But this is very detached from our reality this idea of peace. This, this would not necessarily be a passage of Scripture that I would jump to memorize because it seems so far off and alien. Peace seems to enter our, our lives like the tide coming into the shore and then receding, and we, we cannot hedge it in. We cannot keep it. We cannot secure it. And so I think for many of us over time, 
with that ebb and flow, we just start to say, I don't even know what, what peace is. I don't know what peace would be like. And, and I know for me, I, I, often turn, I often turn to my phone for distraction when, when there's a lot of stressors going on. Um, that's not a real way to find peace, by the way. Uh, but um, I remember a few years ago, I was at dinner with some friends, and the, um, our hostess was asking us how we were doing, and we you know, returned the question. And uh, I think this was in 2018, but she said, I, I don't know, I'm... I'm pretty, uh, I'm struggling right now. I'm, I'm feeling out of it. I, I'm just following this, these earthquakes and tsunamis that are happening in Indonesia. And, um, and then she kind of looked at her Apple Watch to see if there was any more news going on. And uh, that's so much like how we end up being when we're, we're, we're receiving so much information that maybe we wouldn't have known a while ago and our hearts break and we're, we're lost again and the peace disappears as we think about what's going on in the world. And so we make concessions and just kind of say, it is what it is. And as Christmas draws near, I mean, the peace we're saying, we're, we're telling ourselves it is what it is, the, the peace I don't have. As I make a decision between whether I'm going to visit my mother or my father, it is what it is. Or as my, my children aren't, aren't showing up or reaching out, well, that's just how it is this time. Or maybe there's an empty table at the chair that was filled last year, but hey, it is what it is. But that, that is not peace. That is not what the Scriptures are asking you to make peace with. It's not our understanding of who this God of peace is and the peace He will ultimately bring with this King reigning on the throne And if you, if you feel like that, you feel like you don't know what, what peace is, it's just flickering in your life, coming in and out. I think of two weeks ago, we sang the song, Good Christian Men Rejoice, for the song, Good Christian Men Rejoice. Now you hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. What is this state that we are heading towards, and how do we get that? How do we get to that peace from this King? And that's our final point, looking at this last verse, verse 10. The signal of peace. The signal of peace. In that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Many of us have experienced uh, the visual of a landscape burned by a brush fire or a forest fire especially maybe a little further up north in this state. And if you were to drop into this, into this prophecy at this time when Isaiah is giving this, here's what you would find. You would find a culture and a political state that is, has been essentially burned by a brush fire. It's been almost 200 years since there was even a united kingdom and God's people. It's been split in half. Isaiah is prophesying to the southern part, Judah, which has seen an endless rotation of wicked and rotten kings who disregard the Lord. And you'd walk around and you'd see high places built by the kings, places to worship other gods. All the while, other nations are clamoring to take over your land, and you're not sure what king is going to lead you out of this. 
with all of this going on in, in, in the moment, Isaiah comes with this prophecy of a king who will heal this and restore peace to the land. So bleak is this history, and yet there is many occasions for the people to seek peace in other ways outside of God. But Isaiah prophesies that by the Holy Spirit that the, a faithful and righteous king will come, and by his wisdom and justice he will restore peace. And there's a tension here in this moment. You think this prophecy happened 700 years ago. 700 years pass since this prophecy. And the generations die. God's people enter captivities and conquerings. And there's still this prophecy about a king. And then, 700 years later, we read this in Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Finally, this shoot has come forth from the stump of Jesse, the branch from the roots. And now is the true source of peace, a king who will set a new peace in motion. But now we are in kind of the second half of this prophecy and experiencing another tension this Advent, this season of waiting as we pile up Christmas presents under the tree and and savor waiting to open them, as we make plans to visit family and savor the anticipation of laughing together, as we engage in the the, the slow drip of the Advent calendar opening one each day. But the wreaths and the lights and, and the, the inflatables on your street are all hearkening for, for one day, for Christmas Day, when for me, I hope to be in my living room with the street finally quiet outside for the one day when the whoosh of the cars will subside, and the restlessness, the questions and the grief and the struggles will move aside for the king who has come to restore his peace. And I will lift up my head and bask in this peace, and I will be shocked by it because for all my efforts to bring it about, I cannot bring it about. I look to the wrong places and get a halfway peace, and sometimes I just think I've been living just long enough. I don't I don't even know what peace is anymore. But Christmas is a taste of this. It's supposed to be good and a gift from God. But it's not meant to be the end. It's still pointing us onward to when this king will finish this work. When the earth will be filled with the knowledge of himself, he will deal with equity for the meek and strike the wicked in perfect justice. And the wolf will lie down with the lamb. How then can you join in this peace? Look again to verse 10. He will stand as a signal for the peoples, and of him the nations will inquire. This signal is none other than the cross. It's Christ lifted up, crucified in our place, that all who would inquire of him, seek him, would find their peace in him. 
Christ reconciling all things to himself, making peace by the blood of the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we cry out to you, um, even in a much joy-filled season, for the peace that is to come. And we ask that your Spirit would lead us in trusting in you and hoping in the peace that you will one day bring. We join saints from many years gone by, putting our hope again in you and what you will do. Please fill us with your peace this Christmas and remind us of where you are leading your church. And it's into you, into your heavenly kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.